Dave, we teased it last episode. Do you want to open this one with your story about going to see The Last Jedi, the topic of this podcast, uh, in the theater with your kids and Clay, I think? Your other child? I don't remember it as well as Clay does. I remember my kids being bored, so why don't we let yes. Clay tell it? Uh, so we, we went to see The Last Jedi with Dave and his two sons, who at the time were eight and... It was 2017. They would have been seven and five. Seven and five. And uh, about... Uh, I'd say about halfway to three quarters of the way through the movie, uh, Paul, the younger one, was starting to get very antsy. So he was kind of jumping back and forth between the seats where Dave and I were sitting and uh, clearly not super invested in it. And as soon as the credits rolled, he just went, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then afterwards in the car ride back, you know, Dave said, oh, so what's uh, what was your favorite part of the movie? And and his older son, David, said, I I really liked Luke Skywalker. And then Paul paused for a second and went, I don't think I like Star Wars. (laughs) I was I was pretty bored. I didn't have a favorite part. And we were like, "Okay." True answer. True efficient answer. Yeah, we're going to be talking about The Last Jedi, um, the most divisive of the Star Wars movies, potentially. Although, Mm. I was reading a lot of um, contemporary commentary about Empire, and I think it's just history that we're forgetting what we're going through with The Last Jedi. Um, But uh, I'm ready to talk about this one. We had uh, Thanksgiving last night, and obviously, happy belated Thanksgiving, everybody listening to this. And I... um, we had our Thanksgiving dinner. My wife had to go to work uh, overnight, so she was away for the night. She left. I had the kids. I put the kids to bed. Uh, and I was like, oh, I have to let, watch uh, The Last Jedi. So I got really stoned, and I watched The Last Jedi. <laughs> and I, I don't know about Which, you guys. that officially I, means I was the only sober one who watched this, uh, because I, I'm pretty sure that's true. People, that is correct. <laughs> people who, if people think that this is going to be a... Um, a hate fest of this movie. I am. I'm going to stake my claim now. I'm going to defend this movie quite uh, vigorously. I think on this podcast. So I'm ready for it. If you gentlemen are, yeah, let's get into it. All right. So where do let's we stand do on this? I'm. I'm going to say that I'm going to defend this movie as unfairly maligned, and people are wrong about what they think about this movie. Where do you guys stand on it? Um, I don't absolutely hate it, but I think that I think the what it's trying to do is interesting. I just think the execution is is just way off the mark. Dave? Awesome. We've got all three uh, represented because I absolutely hated this movie. Mm. Did, did you hate it? You hated it as much as you watched it the first time on your rewatch, Dave, if you rewatched it recently? Yeah, I was pretty bored with it. So I've seen it three times now. Um, it's never once sucked me in. It's just it's two and a half hours long. It's very fast-paced yet boring. Mm-hmm. As fast-paced as a slow car chase can be. Sure, yes. yes. I mean, I think it has a it has a crippling flaw to me in that it's about f- a very 45 minutes too long in some ways. Like, there's a... Mm-hmm. Whenever they get to the... Um, after the Snoke fight and they get to that salt planet with the red effects, yes. that battle, yeah. I'm always like, all right, this is the end of the movie. Oh, my God, there's 40 minutes left in the movie. Like, how are there 40 minutes left? I think the movie has really almost like nearly catastrophic pacing problems in the second half. Like, I think that they built the scenes incorrectly. However, what they did with it only makes sense with what they were trying to do thematically with it. So I don't know if there's a way to fix that. It's it's just kind of this weird problem where the movie doesn't need to be two and a half hours long. It's just way too long, but I'm not sure what they would cut out of it. Yeah, it's difficult because you've got all these 
really nice sequences at the end. Like, you know, it's nice when Luke and Leia have their scene together and, you know, he brings back that one thing everyone was waiting to see, which was the dice from the Millennium Falcon, the one prop that we all remember from our childhood. Of course. Yes. I actually uh, did not remember what that was. I spent no, the entire no, because it's not a real thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was in it was in half a second of New Hope, and then it was never brought up again until this movie. Oh, and nobody remembered it from New Hope, or there would have been a card from the card game or something yeah, about yeah. It. nothing. It wasn't. I mean, I was like a super fan. I never heard of these dice. Yeah. Um. And you know, you get the scene, the scene when when Luke faces down the First Order is really nice, but so you can't really lose that stuff. Yeah, it's unfortunately structured where if you cut it at a certain at a, if you cut that stuff out, you don't really have a satisfying end to everything you've done before it. It all has but, to happen post Snoke too. Snoke has to die before right. all of that can happen. You can't just sort of stagger the scenes on top of each other because it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Uh, you can't cut it because then you don't have a satisfying ending to the stuff that you've done before it. But that's assuming that you think all the stuff that you they've done before it was worth doing, which I don't. But. Mm-hmm. Who wants to start with this? Um, I don't know. I have I have so many notes. I was really stoned, but I took so, <laughs> I took so many notes, <laughs> and I am really surprised by how much I like this. I thought, you know, you know why your kids? I'll start. I guess you know why the kids didn't like this movie, Dave. Um, this is the most sophisticated Star Wars movie. It's not for kids. It's it's not a space wizard movie. It's about who, something else than that. And who is this movie for? This movie is for people who grew up with the original series or the original trilogy and are now 40 years old. But it, I I see I don't totally buy that because the 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 central thing in this movie is letting the past die and moving on from the past, right? It's 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 uh, maybe it's also battling against that. It's also it's also has the Ray point of view where it's worth going back for what's in the past. Yeah, that's where I, I feel like it gets kind of kind of muddy because you've got all of this stuff on both sides of the fence are people being like, you have to let the past die and move on. And then the last thing that Luke Skywalker says is, well, the war that we've been doing for these past eight movies is just beginning. <laughs> and it's 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 just a I, I'm not I, I understand where they're coming from, but I just totally I don't totally think that they are really consistent in the way they present it. I agree that this isn't a movie for the new generation. Like, it's not a movie for uh, a five and a seven year old. Definitely. Very little yes, droids. There is almost no droid commentary in this, which is really fascinating because the really? droids are like the kitty aspect to it. I think you know what I mean. But they They're, got the bur- the porgs. Yes, they, they have the, and they the have porgs, porgs aren't. I'm surprised the porgs are as big as they were. How little they're actually in it? Because I do like the joke where Chewie's eating the porg as he's looking at it. I do think that's kind of interesting. We'll, we'll get to the comedy after this, but I interrupted you, Dave. Um, yeah, no. I, if it's if it's a movie for me, right? If it's a movie for people who grew up on Star Wars, um, then what it's doing is telling the story of Luke and Leia. Because you can't tell the story of Han, obviously, because he dies in Force Awakens. Um, so you're telling the story of Luke and Leia, and I maybe Chewbacca. And I think that the Luke story is uh, very confused, and it doesn't know what it wants to do. And, um, I mean, we'll get to it by the end of the movie, but what happens to the Luke character, um, it, it feels like they're like flying by the seat of their pants, and they don't know what to do with it. He says contradictory things. He, he's not. 
I mean, Mark Hamill said it himself after the movie came out, like, it's not the same Luke Skywalker character that he played in the 70s and 80s. And I think that comes through. I think that's true. Um, and, and I didn't like where the story went. I thought that, uh, you know, there's an obvious decision of <clears throat> you're going to get rid of Hansel in the first movie. You're going to get rid of another character in the second movie and probably the other character in the third one and give them deaths. Why did they do it in this order, considering what happened in real life with Carrie Fisher is very confusing to me. Um, but, you know, if they had the movie written and mostly filmed and they wanted to just run with what they had, fine. But I think that what they had was was kind of lame. You'd I say, think. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Wes. Well, you would think this is this. You identified this movie as a Luke movie, which is interesting to me. You, you don't think these movies are totally past those characters? Well, I'm, con- I'm conceding your point that this is a movie for people of my generation. This isn't a movie for the new generation to get into Star Wars. This is a movie to find out. You know, th- this this series is supposed to be what happens to the characters you know and love and their dice. Um, and oh, I those, think that those dice, <laughs> the ones we all love and remember. Oh, my heart. Um, what happens to Luke? Like who Luke is and what he does that he doesn't want to get involved and then does and how he goes at the end is it it doesn't feel feel well thought out at all. So I I've been back and forth on the Luke thing a lot and I overall I actually really like his what he does in a macro sense in this movie. I like his story in a macro sense. Where it loses me is is there's basically three points where the Luke story loses me. One where he tells where he's, you know, quote unquote, teaching Ray and he's talking about why the Jedi don't have to not exist anymore uh, and that the Jedi don't own the force, which is a concept I'm totally down with. I liked all that stuff. And then when he has her reach out, he immediately is like, you went right to the dark side. So he's kind of conceding that even if he decides as the sole uh, caretaker of the Jedi, if he decides to pack up shop. That's not changing anything. It's not like the, the Sith are still out there. The dark side is still out there. If Luke Skywalker dies, that just makes Snoke's job easier. And, you know, yeah, and but you don't the, think he he I think he acknowledges that because they have the scenes where they're like, he's you've cut yourself off from the force. Like, that's how they mm-hmm. aren't able to find him or anything. So it, it seems like he's turtling or putting his head in the uh, the sand to. And he's aware of what he's doing, but he's at that point where he's just kind of given up. I I don't see that. I like I see it brought up as a character flaw or a um, narrative flaw, but I don't think it really is. I think he's acting within character of himself at that point. But what's his ultimate? I, I feel like he has to kind of go either way at that point in the story, doesn't he? Because if he's if he's saying that the Jedi need to end, but then also acknowledging that the Jedi don't really matter to the grand scheme of things, and the larger story at play then why is he doing it at all because at that point he doesn't realize what the theme of the movie is which is that someone said i think holdo says it or something that keeping a cause alive is more important than being the hero of the story Mm -hmm. so he he's he sort of subconsciously realizes that it's not about him and it's not about the jedi it's about the force continuing and I, I would I would say that your point about falling to the dark side is kind of slightly problematic there, but I think that his 
his idea of what he's talking about works within the context of the movie, saying that this is not about me, this is not about the Jedi, this is about the idea of the Force existing, and the, the things are going to be bigger than any of us. And I think that that's really kind of the way that Star Wars needs to approach it, and they do it in kind of by underhanding... The reason people, I think, don't like the movie is because to do that, you have to cut the knees out of Luke. And that's the only way that that story works. You can't have him also be the hero in it, and he can't realize that he's the hero of it. He has to take this sort of secondary role where he actually doesn't even fight at the end. He just lives on in, in a way. Like, he lives on in, as an idea. I, I just think it's kind of clever. I think, I think it's really interesting that what they did. Well, I mean, that I, I, I agree that that's where he is is that he's realizing that it's not about him it's about the force you know capital f but again that's that's not going to stop the bad guys from doing bad guy stuff so i i i feel like it's 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 not his his drive to try and end that idea doesn't really have as much of an impact with me as i think it should because if he decides to end that idea because it's not about him Mm-hmm. then that's not going to stop the bad guys from doing bad guys. But can't can he but are... just be wrong at that point in the movie? Yeah, I, I guess I would take your point and say that he's that's incorrect yeah, in what sure. he's assuming there, and he realizes what he's talking about later on when he does the right thing. Yeah, I guess he could just be wrong at that point, sure. Okay. The, uh, the, other, the other point that I don't like with him is I am fine with the macro stuff, but I just don't believe that he would pull a lightsaber on Kylo Ren as a child. Like, I get the idea... I get the point of what they're doing, but at the very most, he like motions to his hip. You know, I I just don't believe that uh, Luke Skywalker, the person who believed that Darth Vader could be pulled back from the the dark side, would pull a lightsaber on Kylo Ren or sorry, Ben Kenobi just because he had a bad dream. You know, are we are we operating under the assumption that? Kylo Ren's memory of that event is, or who, whose memory is right of that event? Well, the last person who talks about it is Luke. Luke, yeah. And in, in that version, he does fire up his lightsaber. He does. I think that the movie assumes, too, that everything they filmed as a flashback happened. Because it shows you in three separate sequences, and it shows you progressively more of that whole story until it all comes together. So I don't think that what it showed you on film is supposed to be a lie from any character. Mm-hmm. Did you? Are you under the same impression? Um. More or less, yeah. I always assumed that the the story Kylo Ren tells is what he believes happened. The first story that Luke tells is a lie. Not a lie. He just doesn't tell the whole thing. Yeah, it doesn't sure. hold the whole story. He does the Obi-Wan Kenobi sure. thing of yeah. lying by not telling but the, you the But ultimately, stuff. the last one is the most truthful version of the story. You don't where, think it's significant yeah. enough that he hesitates at that point and realizes what he's doing is wrong? You, you don't like him drawing the lightsaber at all? I I I can totally I can totally see him thinking for a second maybe I should do something but I just having him actually pull the pull a pull a, a blade on this kid I don't know I don't know about that that's a that's pretty that's a pretty severe uh uh move to do there I guess we haven't and, I mean you suffer a little bit from not seeing any of the post Jedi training uh, after mm-hmm. return of the Jedi where Luke sets up this temple or whatever and trains kids you, you, so you mm-hmm. You're operating in a tough spot where you you have to assume that Luke has had some kind of ideology change over the course of that. Like he's seeing things. They don't really get into it, but he, he has to have built something into him to get to that point. I mean, 
on a, just a technical level, they have to do something visual that Kylo would see and react to. Sure. So yeah. I, I guess they're kind of stuck there, but I, I think it's really just the fact that you don't know what happened to Luke in this sort of like gray period between the last or the return of the Jedi and this movie or the force awakens or whatever. I'll say that I think that Luke pulling the lightsaber, it's controversial, but you can argue that it's within character because in the first movies, Luke's flaw is that he is impulsive and uh, quick to violence. Um, Fair. He runs away and Empire Strikes Back before Yoda wants him to, to mm-hmm. fight Darth Vader and save his friends, yada, yada. I, I think that the interesting thing about if you're going to tell the story of what happens to your Star Wars characters, the interesting thing is like how Luke becomes a nihilist, which they do through flashback. Because when, when they introduce him for the first half only, of that movie, only Luke Skywalker time, is a nihilist. Only time in all of any Star Wars movie where they use a flashback, by the way, which mm, is kind of jarring. Yeah. And I don't think that, you know, it, it, it makes sense within the character. It's just, it feels kind of cheap to have such a turn in a character happen through flashback. I mean, you're, you're doing it 30 years after, fine. Mm. I, I guess I can cut some slack. It's not the Luke, I guess I was answering your first, uh, your first question about who this movie is for and trying to answer why I didn't like it. The Luke stuff, except for the ending, doesn't bother me so much. The way, and, and we're jumping to the end of the movie, but that Luke died in that last scene, I can't get over. But really? I just this don't is, understand this is a- <laughs> why. Why kill your character that way? So I, I don't mind the way that he dies. I honestly don't even mind the fact that he does die, given the story that they're telling. Sure, he's going to in one of the three sure. movies. But I think part of what bothers me about that is it speaks to my macro problem with the movie is that it is a bad second movie because the end of this movie, it, it, it ends like the third movie in a trilogy. Like everything that happens at the end feels like a fairly final move. And I knew that I was in trouble as far as whether or not this movie worked for me the first time because the first thing I thought at the end was, I don't really care what happens after this. I had no interest in the continuing story of these guys because it didn't feel like there was a story to continue. It felt like this was sort of the the end of the story. And even even now, watching it now, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I, it just it, – it, it's so long – because they end up treating it like a a, a ending where it, it really should feel like sort of, you know, you can move stuff forward, but ideally you're thinking it should be the middle part of a trilogy if that's what they're setting it up to be. I think that's interesting because D- Dave's perspective is funny because, Dave, you keep, uh, you keep talking about it as Luke's story, which is interesting to me just because I – and I think to tie into Clay's point – the problem that it leaves you with, I think, is beyond this movie. It's the fact that the the sequel trilogy hasn't done a good enough job of planting these characters as someone that I care about. So you, Dave, as an older Star Wars fan, are still like, yeah, but what, what happened to Luke? Like, why is Luke this way? I'm watching yeah. it as kind of a detached Star Wars fan, and I'm realizing that the characters that they've inserted are the lead characters. So I don't really care about what happens to Luke in this, because I don't think it's Luke's story, really, at this point anymore. However, to to I find myself leaning towards Clay's point where it's like, what matters? It doesn't matter after this because I don't really care about Kylo Ren and Rey outside of how they're represented in this movie, which I think is really interesting. But after after this movie ends, I don't care what happens to them at that point anymore. Yeah. Well, I think they make a huge 
story misstep by having Ray not join Kylo Ren when he reaches out to her after the killing of Snoke. I think I think that's the move that makes sense narratively to keep things going, keep it interesting. Because otherwise, if she doesn't do that, if she decides not to do that, then she has she's not changed at all in this in this movie. She's basically had people talking at her for two and a half hours. Same with Finn. Finn's just had people talking at him for two and a half hours, and and every time he makes a decision, someone tells him it's the wrong one. <laughs> and even when even when he tries to make the decision uh, different from the way he does it at the beginning of the movie, he's told it's the wrong decision. Yeah. Um. So I think Ray, you end up at the end of this movie with all of your main characters kind of in a really uninteresting space as far as character development goes because ray is you know you take away the backstory questions and so now she's just sort of like the hero with a capital h which i you know i don't i don't really i don't think there's as much as i like her performance and the actress and stuff i i don't know if there's enough character there after this movie to make me think like oh it's going to be much different in the next one or anything uh, Finn, I don't even know why Finn's in this movie, frankly, uh, aside from the fact that he, someone needs to go on that side mission and just watch things happen for most of the movie. Uh, Poe Dameron, I guess, has decided to be a good... He gets the entire fleet killed. And I... I his The entire resistance. Can I pause? Cause sure. One of our criticisms I think that we all agreed with when we talked about Force Awakens was that they really shrunk the scale of the Star Wars galaxy. Mm-hmm. And once again, they, they make that flaw again where the whole thing is taking place among like a dozen ships, yeah. only three of which are rebel ships. And by the end of this movie, there are like 14, not rebels, resistance, sorry. Mm-hmm. There are like 14 resistance people left in the galaxy. It's It's over. But then they talk about they it's try like, to end it's it like on a high people, note. It's like ten people, an end. old lady, and a dog is basically <laughs> yes. what the resistance is. I thought. Yeah. I thought. I kind of. I kind of like this. Like the the numbers don't really make sense. If you if you want to think about it, like how is this logistically happening? I guess you could make some kind of argument that this is like post to the original trilogy, and therefore everyone's been decimated, and they're kind of like operating under the sort of ruins of what happened there. But mm-hmm. I, I think the movie does a pretty good job of portraying the First Order as just by like visually size is impressive there. Like the size of the First Order ships just dwarf everything else to them. So you get this sort of like power sense from the two of them. I agree that like, I'm not sure how crazy I feel about the fact that they really ripped off a Battlestar Galactica episode where they're jumping, but they're somehow tracking <laughs> yes. them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it was fine. It, it feels like it's not the kind of plot that can really last two hours of a two and a half hour movie. Um, but at the same time, like, I think that I don't, I don't need to abandon that point, but I think that like some of the biggest missteps that the movie makes to me are when it embraces this idea of what the movie is about, which is that everything is kind of a false appearance. Like nothing is what you expect it to be. Nothing is truly the way that you're told something is going to happen is not the way that it's going to happen. The biggest plot misstep to me is the casino planet, because while that's a brilliant spin on nothing matters, because this entire subplot does not result in the outcome that they want to happen. They never get the code breaking Mm. technology when you do it like that, 
and you stretch out the scene so much, it just feels like a waste of time instead of something sure that's does. kind of like a twist on you, which is kind of problematic, even though I think that that scene operates exactly the same as some of the best stuff that works in this movie. It's, it just goes on for too long. That was the scene where I was watching it the first time. I was kind of, I was on board up until that point. And then once they start um, ri- riding the horses around, I actually, in my head, my internal monologue, like in a movie, went, I think this is bad. <laughs> and yeah, I the the casino stuff it just doesn't work for me. Um I I think they there's way too many characters in this movie. Uh I think you're kind of backed into a wall though cuz you've got to deal with all the legacy characters plus the new characters plus you're adding like five more on top of that. Um and I it gets really uh uh even really weird crowded. cameos like the um who's the guy who plays the actual code breaker? He was in um Oh Benicio del Toro. No, the the real code breaker. Oh, the other guy, uh Justin Thoreau. Yes, Thoreau. Yeah, he's only yeah. in it for that five seconds, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And uh yeah, it just feels like there's so much stuff jammed in there. And to finish my point about the characters not really being interesting at this point, the most interesting move that they make, I think, with the new characters is Kylo Ren essentially fulfilling his destiny and becoming a Sith by killing his master and then saying it's time to burn everything down and forget it and then immediately just falls back into the thing they've been doing for eight movies. Mm -hmm. And it's so I don't really know what you're supposed to take from it as far as and the messaging is kind of all over the place where, you know, it has this weird streak about just follow orders and never ask questions and don't take any risks, mm-hmm. which is really strange to me. Well, don't you, um, what, what do you guys think about this? Ren and Ray to me in this movie are fascinating because I think what Ryan Johnson is doing is showing the schism in the Star Wars fan base where Ray represents seeking the past and the people who really just want to see the original trilogy remade over and over again. And mm-hmm. Kylo Ren represents Ryan Johnson who's deconstructing this entire thing and destroying it all. And But he doesn't destroy it, though. No, because I think what he realizes is that he sort of... I, I might be reading... He, he's foreseeing the shit that he got for this movie, I think, at that point. And he's like... He's How had, high were you when you were watching this? <laughs> I just I think I think this movie works. It's an interesting take. I think this movie really, really works in a lot of ways. Like, I think that it's... I think that... If you if you're looking at it as like a purely Star Wars just logistical storyline, I think it probably has problems and I think that people don't like it. But I think that if you if you look at it more as like a commentary on the franchise, I think it's almost brilliant in what he managed to do. It doesn't mean it's a good movie and I will I'll say this and I'll throw it to you. The big problem that that happened in this movie is that Disney fucked up. This should not have been a main series movie in this style. They should have done this as one of the anthology films, and it probably wouldn't work because they can't use the main characters in that way. So it kind of defeats the whole purpose. But the problem is, if Disney wants to protect their brand and just have the main nine Star Wars movies all feel the same, even though Lucas fucked that up with the prequels, which are totally different from the original and all that stuff, if if that was their goal, you don't hire Ryan Johnson to do one of those main nine movies, I don't think. Yeah, I would agree with that because the fe- the thing I do feel the 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 schism in that clearly he wants to do something different but he ends up doing a lot of the same stuff they always are doing 
And so, I, I, unfortunately, I think where that doesn't work in a Star Wars movie, like a main story Star Wars movie, because I think I actually think you're right. I think if they had just let him do this as a side story, it probably would have been great. There are plenty of characters that you could use that maybe aren't top level main tier characters. Let him do a let him do a story that takes place like after Revenge of the Sith during uh, Order of Sixty Six or some shit, where there's like a, a Jedi left and, and deal with it that way, you know. Um, but the 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 problem with the pull from going both ways is that it's not really resolved, and there's no it doesn't really come down on with a resolution about that that struggle. And I think that's one of the reasons why it feels so unsatisfying. So if they had gone one way, which was, no, the the old way is the, the way we should be going. The old the old stuff matters. Legacy matters, blah, 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 blah. It's That's satisfying for one reason. But if they had gone the other way where it was, no, we're really going to tear it down. We're really going to do something different. Then that's totally satisfying in another way. I, rem- I listened to the, our, our Force Awakens podcast. And I said, my feeling about this franchise is going to hinge big time on what this, what Last Jedi is, because the first one was fairly derivative because they had to, you know, thread like five needles at once to get the thing up and running again. Um, And I said, if they just do more derivative stuff, then it's going to lose me. But if they try to do something different, then I'll be all for it. But they kind of don't commit either way here but and that's is, what bothered me the most isn't isn't that the isn't that symbolic of the battle between the light side and the dark side though that's what i think is so clever like he's he's taking this construct of the light side and the dark side that are constantly at odds with each other and he's saying that it's basically very similar to the old style star wars fans and the new style star wars fans and that you're never going to get a resolution out of this so you kind of have to bounce between the two of them all the time and no one ever gets the upper hand and there is no actual right way to proceed with it. I, I I think he, he's like, I don't know. I think the writing implies that that's kind of what he's thinking about here. And I think it's really fascinating approach to it. I mean, maybe, but I, that does not for a satisfying movie make. Unfortunately, that's that's, that's what I'm thinking too. Like that's a little too masturbatory for me. Like just give me a good movie if the fans hate it. And that's a problem Disney has. And that they had with this movie big time is they reacted so hard. At least it it came through that they reacted so hard to the criticism for force awakens. And it was just way too reactive to it. Just give me a good movie. People aren't going to like it, but like, that's what you should strive for as a director and a, a producer and a studio is give me a good movie. So that's the interesting part though. That's the, like, I would agree that you, Ryan Johnson is not the best for this. However, at the same time, I have a hard time wholeheartedly saying, give me the corporatized Disney take on the star Wars film. Like give me what I want out of this series because that at that point, it doesn't feel like maybe the star Wars movies aren't supposed to be artistic. You know, like, is there any is there anything that you're left to do there, or we just want to see Luke fight with a lightsaber, do his thing, and not have any sort of commentary on it? And I guess if, if again, if I was Disney, I would brand this so that the main nine were just that kind of Disney-fied stuff. Like it would just be a Star Wars story that people were expecting, and you can do mm-hmm. anthology stuff. But they they feel that they screwed up the anthology stuff so much that they can't fix it. And I'm actually more worried that. I think instead of what it did to Force Awakens, I think this movie is going to have a horrible impact on the rise of the Skywalker when they overcorrect for what happened in this movie. I completely agree with you. 
Yeah, I'm curious to see how that ends up shaking out as far as the next one goes because I, you know, okay, using Kylo Ren as an example, right? It's from based on the, the trailers, he's got his mask back, which him busting the mask up is a very prominent point in this movie. Does if if he goes back to mask on, I am the 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 Dark Lord. Is that going to be overcorrecting, or is that just going to be a continuation of what happens at the end of this movie? Because that's where he ends up at the end of this movie. He just he turns into the over the top bad guy. He loses a lot of his, uh, I, I think anyway, he loses a lot of his interesting ambiguity by committing to one side so hard and in such a, a classic Star Wars kind of way. I, so he, if they he, could, Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, he can become a complete nihilist, and I think it will build off of this movie. If he abandons empire building and just becomes some sort of like agent of chaos or total destroyer of worlds type character, I think that sure. that, that fits his characterization here. And that's that's super cool. I would love it if they did that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're gonna, unfortunately, but um, I'm worried about the mask being rebuilt. That's such a overcorrection there. It's like his Well, you know, I think unfortunately, for me anyway, I while I am totally fine with the things aren't what you expect them to be, they're just so overly cute about it in this movie mm. and it's every they they don't zig and zag, they just keep zagging. You know, it's like every single thing, every single thing, it's got to be an inversion or a subversion is the word everybody likes to use. But it has to be a subversion of your expectations every single point along the way. I feel like you can get like a handful of those and it's fine. Mm -hmm. But if you just keep pulling the rug out from under people, it feels like you're only doing it for your own enjoyment and not so much the enjoyment of the people who came to see stuff. Like I've said, I've said previously the thing sub- subconsciously that affected me the most is uh, my favorite thing in the world I, is the is a lightsaber battle. Like a, a good lightsaber battle with like emotional stakes is fantastic. There is only one point. At previously, I thought it was zero, but there is actually one point. There's only one point in this movie where two lightsabers touch, and it's in a flashback for half a second. Mm-hmm. And so when I came out of that movie, there was something that was like subconsciously wrong with it and it it was like a, a few hours later when i realized what it was and i was like man yeah i mean it just there it's it was just i think i don't think it's an awful movie i just think it's an unsatisfying one and i and that's i'm on board for a lot of the of the stuff that people don't like like i think ultimately the, the idea of the luke stuff like i said is good the last the last problem i have with it is actually the fight with uh kylo ren and it's not because they don't actually touch. I think that is really good. I actually like that a lot. Um, it's it, That's an instance of them being too cute because he can't just show up to fight Kylo Ren. He has to show up having stopped to get a haircut uh, to, to dye his beard, to change his clothes, to piece back together. And I'm not I know I obviously know this isn't what happened, but it's using the lightsaber that two scenes ago got destroyed. It's like, fuck it. Fine. Yes, he's a he's a force projection. You don't have to be so cute about it that you spend the whole time watching it going, why did he cut his hair? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like why doesn't he use the green lightsaber? Or honestly, he shouldn't even he shouldn't if you want what happened in the past to have resonant thematic sense with what happens this time, 
Luke Skywalker should not fire up his lightsaber in that fight with Kylo Ren. You know, what I think that 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 all links to though that it relates to is a um, and I would agree with you. I think that I think one of the weakest points of this is the um, I wonder how much would be fixed if you took out the bad jokes out of this movie. Uh, like, mm. w- are the bad jokes? It didn't help. Like- welcome, welcome to to episode one, Terrence. <laughs> it didn't help. I mean, I think the humor in this is. Uh, I don't know. Well, well Dave, I'll, I'll throw it back one. to you, but I just want to say that the. There are 50% of the jokes in this are very obvious that they're jokes, and 50% of them are meta-contextual commentary on the Star Wars thing. And I think that the, I think that the sly meta-commentary really works in this, but I think that the scenes where it's like, they're, um, the, the Finn and the uh, Rose are watching that girl on the view screen who's in like a battle, and she's talking, that, the big-eyed person. And oh, she, yeah, she makes yeah. some joke about getting laid or something, and they look at each other. Like, that's a terrible mm-hmm. Star Wars joke. It doesn't belong in, in the Star Wars, and it distracts you from it. About 50-50 are the takes for me. But I think that my example of a good joke with ties into Clay's thing is uh, when R2 shows the original New Hope footage of Leia that he has, mm-hmm. and he shows it to Luke in this movie, Luke has a line, he says something, that's cheap. He says that's yeah. cheap to R2, which I think is I think it's brilliant. I think that's such a good line because that's such a that's what Clay's talking about at the end. And I think I think he recognizes that. And I think he's doing the force projection dyed beard thing at the end to give people what they want, even if it's cheap. He's he's recognizing that that's why he's doing it. It's an interesting take. I <laughs> I mean I, I, I like the take a lot. I, I interrupted just, your comedy I point think that too. Yeah, that kind of humor, uh my point my point was gonna be a lot of the humor what you call like the second category of humor, the meta contextual commentary. It just pulls you straight out of the movie. Like the originals don't do that. And they're funny, you know, Han Solo and C-3PO are are comedic characters. They have funny moments, but it doesn't, none of their jokes pull you out of that universe. Whereas Luke saying like, what am I going to go around and wave around a laser sword? Like it just, it pulls you straight out of it. And maybe you're right. Maybe Ryan Johnson wants you to think about, the movie that way um i just didn't like that that's yep. that's not what i was looking for no i, I think- can understand that i i i completely understand why this movie is received that way because it it is so distracting and self-aware yeah i think some of, i think some of the stuff i i think i'm on i don't know if i would go 50 50 with it but there are some stuff that I, that people don't like that i actually think works pretty well namely the uh the bit where he throws the lightsaber over his shoulder I feel like that is Star Wars humor, capital S, capital W, Star Wars humor. I can see that easily happening in one of the old Star Wars movies. Sure. And it's, I think it's a great setup for the, the way that his character is going and the way that he's feeling about everything. I think that was probably – that's one of those things where when you're writing it, I feel like you get to that point where I, the, whole, the whole thing to me feels like Ryan Johnson going – how the hell am I supposed to do this? Mm-hmm. And he just decides to do the opposite of everything, which is fine. But it's like, I feel like two more drafts of this where you pull back a little bit on that stuff and I, it would really tighten up a lot. Um, so for every tossing the lightsaber over his shoulder, there's 20 minutes of BB-8 shooting casino tokens at someone and like playing a whack-a-mole to restart the X-Wing. And, you know, 
killing everybody by driving a, a-, a- ATST. How about the movie opens with uh, a joke sequence between Poe and uh, Hux? Which is basically out of Spaceballs. That's, that whole that's sequence pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 in, it involves, I think he put you on hold and I think he's trolling you. Which are two and, lines that 10 years from now, like uh, the the next generation, the generation that, that this is ostensibly for, that we've already established it's not for, like they're not going to get those jokes at all. And it also ends with a your mother joke. Yes. It's, oh my God. It's a super modern Star Wars movie. There's one scene that really stuck out to me where it's, um, it's where Rose and Finn are are explaining to somebody, maybe it's Leia, that they have to go to this casino planet to rescue it. Um, mm. This might just be the politics of the era, but when Leia asks, like, why are you doing this? Rose starts to talk. Finn jumps in front of her, in front of the camera, and then over-talks her and explains the plan. Mm. It's such a... All I can think is mansplaining. Like, that's really mm-hmm. the only thing that I could think, because they did such a obvious cut where he interrupts her and no one ever comments on it again. And it feels very modern in that sense. I don't know how well it's going to age, but it certainly feels not timeless in the way that the other Star Wars movies do. Yeah, and it doesn't really work as far as their relationship goes either, because it's not like Finn spends the entire movie underestimating Rose until finally he realizes that she's very capable or something like that, you know? Uh, I, if you, again, if you can tell me what Finn's purpose in this movie is, I don't actually know what it is. No, it's just, a, it's just, it's to play off that appearances are ever, are meaningless uh, thing where his storyline does not end up mattering at all. And they had to have him do something for the movie. Yeah. Um, sorry, what were we talking about? I lost my space. Can we talk visuals? <laughs> I think this is the most visually sure. interesting Star Wars movie. Interesting. I think that opening battle is fantastic. I think that opening battle where they bomb the dreadnought or whatever is great. Uh, Lasers arcing is not cool at all. And I get it. You want to go for the World War II thing. You want to have a bomber raid and you want to have artillery. But lasers don't arc. And I don't get why they made that choice. It's not a Star Wars thing. They just decided we're going to have these lasers arc. And I... It was, like, baffling to me. And and a lot of this movie, I think, they pick the aesthetic that they wanted, and then they tried to build around that. That's the way it feels. Why have that bomber raid? All right, I'll, I'll let you go. Sorry. I had such problems with that opening battle. I don't remember so, the arcing. What's, when's the arcing happen? Anytime a capital ship, like the Dreadnought, shoots, mm-hmm. the lasers do not travel in a straight line. Oh. They arc like an artillery shell would. Yeah. Oh, I, I think don't it, yeah. know why okay. they do that, and it made me insane. You know I what? I don't know why they don't do. Why don't you fire on the ship that's already in space before you fire on the base? Base isn't going anywhere. <laughs> Can we get into this? Because this is my real problem with the movie, is that the movie either assumes that you are dumb or assumes that you're such a fanboy that you're just going to run the excuses for it in your head. And throughout the whole movie, it's just examples like that. Like, the the hyperspace scene when they hyperspace into the dreadnought to blow it up the obvious answer to that is like why didn't not the they dreadnought just right or is that is that a, is that a the uh, snoke ship snoke, you're talking snoke about ship, yeah snoke ship yeah why didn't they do that in the in star wars and return of the jedi to the death star yeah they should that, they, that, yes that's, 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 that's the problem yeah yeah you know why did they bring down death star technology and also, to open a door sorry and also in that scene uh they establish 
earlier in the movie that for some reason one person has to stay on the fuelless ship because they do the same thing on the medical ship where everybody leaves except one yeah, guy, guy. <laughs> who has to stay there and he doesn't even do anything he just, just he didn't gets think of that up. he didn't think of that that yeah, was he he didn't have like there was no reason for him to stay because that ship was floating aimlessly it's not the, uh, they, the star trek conundrum where the transporter chief has to stay behind to beam people right. off or something yeah. and they do that only to set up when everybody else leaves and leia's like come on holdo and she's like no someone has to stay to pilot the ship you really don't <laughs> yeah. because it's space and it's going in a straight line. They also have so, droids that are self-sufficient. Yeah, they've do, got dro- you know. droids can do a lot of shit. Yeah. Right. And, and and how about when they're in the the whole phasma Sorry, we'll, we'll talk about ima- we'll talk about imagery in a minute. We have to get this off for a chance. Phasma and Finn's reunion in that hangar bay. It blows up and everybody dies except for Phasma and Finn so that they can Andros. fight. And Rose, yeah. I'm sorry. And it's like, why? Why are all these things happening? You just brought up the point of like, you know, Star Trek has an excuse for it. They didn't even try to tell you or explain why these dumb things are happening. They're either assuming that you're not going to notice or they're assuming that you're going to come up with that in your head. And that's so, it's terrible. It's well, terrible well, at filmmaking. The, whether at or not, end, terrible uh, storytelling. At the end, you've got the sequence where finn is going to ram the the cannon everybody pulls off he's still going forward and dave as you pointed out there's no possible way that rose would be able to hit him t-bone him from the side by catching up to him it shows a long angle and you see rose's craft like you know doing the circle maneuver around she is like 180 degrees and way off to the right and then the next cut is her ramming him. It's like, did he just slow down and did he just and then, idle speed into it? Was and then that his after, plan? And then after that, he manages to drag her lifeless body back to the hideout, which is at least like 800 yards, if not more, like maybe a mile away. Uh, with AT-ATs shooting with at him. With AT-ATs shooting at him after, uh, and I think that's while Luke is getting shot at. So it's just, it, he's traveling a lot of ground. It's the same problem they had in Rogue One, where it's like they, the characters are at point A. They have to get to point C. Going to point B first would be too long, so we're just going to be like, eh, what if they just get to C? But even that, that's not, I mean, you can, you can I think that a lot of that stuff you can kind of hand wave, like you're saying, Dave, you can hand wave it if that's what you want to do. Um, in that scene with, with when Rose T-bones him, though, thematically, she T-bones him, and then says, "Saving what we love is exact. Uh, saving what we love instead of killing what we hate. Sa- trying to save what he loves is exactly what she stopped him from doing at the beginning of the movie. He's trying to leave the ship to go save Ray, and she stops him from doing that. And then at the end, this is her big revelation to him, as though that's supposed to change him his mind somehow. And it's it's a nice scene, it's a nice moment, but I don't think that that thematically is is." resonant at all i'd probably chalk that up to the same as luke i would say it's a mind change i think i think they're just not clear about whether or not they're changing their minds i have more of a problem rose see rose doesn't change her mind through the entire movie her her entire thing is always saving you know she saves the kids she saves the things Mm -hmm. uh her angle is never doesn't waver and uh so when you get to that point where she sums up her her whole thing at the end it's just like, uh, okay, you've you've saved what you love by possibly killing him and yourself, 
by knocking him off of, you know, smashing into his vehicle, which probably should have killed both of them. And also, if the point with Finn is that he's supposed to learn not to run away or something, the one time he decides to be active and try to blow the thing up, she stops him from doing it. So there's a lot of there's a lot of like inconsistent character arcs, I think, going on. Interesting. I um, I guess my counter would be this is the this is a movie that's like clearly thematic in a way that the other Star Wars movies aren't really. I think like mm-hmm. th- this is a like this is like a film i guess to get like stupid and pretentious about it in in the sense that where the it's an action adventure movie leading into it and this is probably why people are justified in not particularly liking it but i feel like when you're considering things like whether or not the logistics of fights or explosions make sense in this movie is this is not the movie to make those points i don't think i know what i know what you're saying but that's that stuff doesn't isn't really a big problem for me. It's I think it's thematic to the point of. Well, of, that, that was going to tie into my Rose point. I think that in his uh, in his quest to get thematic with this, I think he made every arc match that theme in ways that aren't necessary. Or I I would argue logical. Sure. Yes, I think, I, I'd agree I, with that. Yeah. The the big one, and I know people argue about this all the time, is the the entire thing with Poe and Holdo not telling him what's going on. And I am t- I'm totally fine. I get the chain of command thing. Yep, that makes perfect sense. Whatever. There's 400 people left. Everybody else seems to know what's going on except Poe. And Poe causes a mutiny, which could be easily stopped. And hundreds of thousands of, or maybe not hundreds of thousands, but a lot of lives could be saved if she had just set, told him what was going on. How many people like, are in that like, mutiny, though? Well, do you ever get like, a good f- sense of it? You get it's like five people. Five but people. The point yeah, is, yeah. The point is, there's only four hundred of them left. Yeah. And he's like the number one commander, right? Why? I I understand chain of command, but at a certain there's chain of command, and then there's just doing it because you're being an asshole. You know, like the- <laughs> and and then that whole plot back to what I was saying about it's assuming you're dumb. That entire subplot, her not telling him the plan, she doesn't tell him is. The Empire is only tracking the big ship, and it's not tracking anything else, even when they're passing by a planet. It's like, why? Why would you not do that? You can. You can track them through hyperspace, but you're just not going to track any small ships that come out. Just, it sucks you out of it. Mm. Uh, What I want is I want, out of a Star Wars movie, is I want to be excited when I leave because I want to be excited about that universe Mm because that's what Star Wars does well. And this makes that impossible. You can't get sucked into that universe because they're continually making jokes which are too modern and don't feel like Star Wars. And then the actual plot, if you try to follow it, it's too small scale and it, there's too many holes in it. It just doesn't really add up. For instance, I see, I, I, think, it's, I think it's thematic at the, to the point where uh, it's not really caring about a lot of story logic. Yes. Um. And I think in a movie like this, unfortunately, that that's nothing but a detriment. But my the the biggest one being they only have uh, X amount of fuel, so you've got this thing going on where no, they can't jump to light speed, uh, and they have to keep on a very specific course. Yet Finn and Rose can get into like a dinky little whatever ship and light speed the fuck out of there. And then when Ray comes back, she just light speed drops in, shoots her, shoots herself out of an Snoke's, escape pod. Yes, shoots her escape pod down onto Snoke's ship, and then Chewie just light speeds out of there. The fa- 
the fact that Finn and Rose can actively leave that thing and then come back just feels it just it's it it it, it breaks the tension of this chase that's going on if you can very easily enter and exit the chase situation at will. Yeah. I, I I was, I mean, honestly, I was distracted by the fact that is this the first time they've ever brought up fuel in Star Wars? I think so. Yes. Yeah. That, I found that more distracting. I, I actually didn't even uh, really uh, intellectualize the fact that people were leaving. I don't know if that bothers me as much as the fact that just fuel <laughs> exists in this universe because they seem to have no they concern have about fuel. Extra, they have to use the extra can of Schwartz in the glove compartment. Yes, that's right. Yeah. You gotta they should have made the joke that, that nice baseball is about. That's why you'll don't put just ten bucks in or whatever yeah. he says. <laughs> I um would so I I guess the 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 point would you guys be more accepting of this movie if it wasn't a main Skywalker story? Would to this a point? Mo- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I I think you know what you were saying before. I agree with, or I think that yeah, taking. Uh, taking those big, big chances is, or and that's not the way to put it. Cause you know, you want to, you want to see a movie where they're taking chances, but, but taking this much of a look inward, it feels like the wrong time to do it. Um, that's not to say that everything in the movie doesn't work. Cause as I've, you know, as I said, I think there's a lot of stuff that does, and there's a lot of interesting threads that they do put down. It, they just, it's, so muddled up by other stuff that is very like feels kind of navel gazing to a certain point um, that I think that stuff probably would work better in a uh, in a side movie. I know this point's been said by famous directors recently about the Marvel movies, but they they feel like rides. They mm-hmm. feel like a 3D interactive ride more than a, a film. And, and I you, agree with you that. Would you count this one? I would say this is, is the opposite of that. No, it, it it felt like that to me. It's like action scene, after, then fight scene, then chase scene, and then back to action scene. And the the driving force behind what is driving the actual plot of the movie and all these action sequences, it doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. It's not tight. So it just feels like you're, you're getting to the next thing and you're just shrugging and throwing up your hands and we go. Okay, I guess they're blowing up those transports. Guess they did. Now they are tracking the transports because somebody fucked up. Sure, whatever. Hmm. I. Yeah, I guess I would. I guess I would argue the other way, where Star Wars would be what Scorsese is complaining about. Except he probably likes Star Wars because he came up at the same time as him. Like I, I don't think mm-hmm. his argument is particularly uh, well thought out or anything like that. But I, I feel like this is the most um, a tour. Of the Star Wars movies, like you, you feel that there's a director doing something here, and I guess you could say the same about the prequels. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> very, someone, very much so. There is someone making a choice, and I guess like I think we talked in the recent one, like you can kind of almost defend Lucas's balls for trying something at that point sure. that he wanted mm-hmm. to do it. I, I, I just have to. I give Ryan Johnson the same break here, I guess, although. Keep in mind, everyone who's listening to this and getting annoyed that I, I like The Last Jedi, um, I don't care about Star Wars. So if, <laughs> if, if, they break, if they break Star Wars here, I find it fascinating more than a misstep that they made in the series, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Dave's the opposite, uh, I think, to sum, to sum up. The I disagreement. am, and it, and it shocks me that you you don't care about Star Wars and still liked this movie. And it's impossible <laughs> for me to detach myself and be honest to answer that question. Like, if I didn't care about Star Wars, how would I like this movie? I, I can't make that. But it's, it's really surprising to me because I don't like this as a movie. I wouldn't like this with Marvel characters. I just, I, do, I don't think that this works. It's way too long. There's too many side plots. It's dumb. Um, and it, 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 it does. It surprises me that you liked this, uh, even though not liking Star Wars. I liked For it me, much more than the first time I saw that it. That is too. a fire hot take. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> for me for me i'm i'm i i guess i'm consistent in the way that we've laid this out is i find myself somewhere in the middle where i do appreciate the way that they looked inward on some stuff but i think they did it at the expense of what makes it work in the first place and i think you can do both and not completely you know uh alienate people um and you know i i my my feeling about this movie always has been it feels like um if you're doing an improv scene and you've got someone out there who sets a bunch of stuff up and then the next person comes in and they don't say yes and they just say no and that in and of itself feels kind of unsatisfying because you've the first movie whether or not they had any plans in mind for the stuff they set up you know depending on where you read some say yes some say no they left a lot of strands out there of stuff to work with, which I th- some of which were really interesting, some of which weren't. And they generally kind of just said, no, we're not going to do that and we're going to do something else. And so that felt kind of frustrating. And the general, like I was saying, they, it was so, you know, it kept subverting, quote unquote, that it feels unsatisfying. Um, to take a step back, though, I think the the biggest problem with the series as a whole is Supreme Leader Snoke. I don't think that character did anybody any favors. I think what they did with him here is probably the best use of him, but uh, setting that Killing character... him off. I feel, yeah, I, I feel and, a lot of your criticisms of this movie are what he inherited from Force Awakens, too. You know, like, there's so many characters he just inherited that he had to do something with. Sure, you know but I mean, mean, there are some... I mean, there are some that you could use in an interesting way. Yes. Like, my... Uh, Captain Phasma. Why is Captain Phasma in this movie? She got blown up at the end of the last one, right? And then she just shows up to get blown up again. Uh, my actually, I have a theory that she's going to show up in the third one, and it's going to turn out she's a clone. But mm. that's neither here nor there. Um, in this movie, the first thing that I thought of as a way to tighten this up and actually make it work with the characters you've you've established, the Benicio del Toro character should have been Captain Phasma. She should have been. As a result of what happened in the last movie, she led them into the Starkiller base and she gave over the the codes or whatever. Uh, So she is now a pariah from the First Order and she's ended up in this jail. And she, uh, Finn wouldn't recognize her without her helmet on, so he wouldn't immediately know who she was. And even if he did, they could, you know, she could... She could convince. All it took for Benicio del Toro to convince them was to break out of that prison cell. So I'm sure that she coincidentally he didn't even do it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and so that way you've got her character making it seem. If you want to talk about things not looking like what they seem, it seems like she is helping them because she thinks that the the first order is is a bunch of assholes and trying to get back at them. But then she just ends up turning them over when she gets there. That that way, that doesn't work though because in the theme of this movie, the audience can't be aware of what's going on. Once, 
the camp. Yes. To, to, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna go with what Johnson is doing here, I don't think you can ever allow the audience to be aware of something that the characters so, aren't aware of. So you're, you're telling me that you didn't think that you thought that the Benicio del Toro character, who and this is not my quote, it's from somewhere else, literally sounds like a snake when he talks, <laughs> was not going to turn them over. No, well, did I know that? No, but. I uh, is there is there, I guess is there a point you draw like I I just interpret that as you're saying you're saying it doesn't work if the people if the audience knows where it's going to go just if it's fast saying right and and you're comparing it to I'm not saying, knowing yeah, that he's going to flip it yeah well he's, he's very clearly a scoundrel and they they give him a couple little turns but he ultimately betrays them in the way that you assume he was going to do in the first place yes but he also he also doesn't he's not a he's not a mole. Right, he's he just they pay him money and he gives up all the secrets sure. to them. Sure. Um, I, I think I'm I'm arguing more of like uh, on like a, a narrative story structure level. The audience is not the audience is not aware of what his true intentions are, even if you can predict what he's going to do. So it's different from Phasma, where I guess it, it would work if you were able to hide Phasma, but everyone knows who that actress is. No, I is. think I think you can play it. I think you can play it as though she is, uh, she's a. a She's been rejected by the First Order and now has a grudge against them because of that. Right, but then you the know, audience in is... That a, case, yeah, go ahead. Uh, in that case, you know, if you can do that convincingly, then maybe she doesn't turn them over. Maybe she is being honest about her intentions in, in taking, helping see. them take down the First Order. Yes. And that way, when she doesn't, you have the fight between her and Finn actually have some thematic sense to it instead of it just being a continuation from the last dumb fight that they had. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not arguing for the Del Toro character either, if that's what it sounds like. But I, I guess that would be the difference there. That like it, it doesn't seem a movie that is going to support that level of character development. Even if I think that's a better idea of what to do with Phasma and everything, and to get Finn's mm-hmm. fight with her have a point. I think he just he was really entr- entranced by hiding what the flip was going to be from people, even even if you were able to predict it, what he thought was the better flip to give people. And I think he's doing that at the at the at the sacrifice of of satisfying story. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. Um, you asked about uh, visuals a, long, a while ago, and I I should say I th- here's what I liked about the movie. Um, the as Clay calls it, the cell phone sequences between Ray and Kylo Ren, where they're texting each other over mm-hmm. space. I liked the way that they did that. Yeah. I thought it really it it's looked clever. really good. It is. And has I a good, has a good way- joke in it too, Dave. You said you couldn't think of the jokes, but the um, where they're talking to each other and Luke comes out of his hut and says, what's that over there? And you think he's talking about Kylo, but he's looking at the hole in the house that just <laughs> yes. got punched. I like that yeah, joke. Yeah, that was it's, all right. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. I liked that they used a puppet for Yoda. I thought Yoda looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that they did Goofy Yoda again. I really missed Goofy Yoda. We haven't seen that in a while. And that was the best people, Yoda. People do get on that as another thing that is not correct about the movie because technically goofy yoda is yoda before he reveals himself to luke sure however i don't think he's as goofy in this as people think he is i think the goofy level is is fine well I he think. does he does his goofy laugh yeah i yeah, think it's I think fine, fine too he yeah. comes in luke hasn't seen him in a while he kind of surprised yeah. him and he's being a little uh mischievous yeah yeah delivers the great uh the great line that sums up the movie we are what they grow beyond it is the mm-hmm. the the yeah. job of the master, which I think is really kind of a beautiful little point that they stuck in there. 
Um, I, the one thing, my, my favorite part in that scene is again, where it makes me feel weird about Luke in, in the consistency of how they do things is when he's going to burn the books and then Yoda does it and Luke gets mad about it. And then he's like, did you actually read them? And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah, right. it, so I, I agree, Wes, with what you're saying. I didn't about even Luke. realize Yoda burnt the tree. I thought it was just happenstance. Yoda does no, that? He, called down, he calls down the lightning and sets the tree on fire. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I agree with your take on Luke. If we are operating from the standpoint, and this is what I believe, that Luke is the worst Jedi we see on screen in any movie. Yeah, Luke's an idiot. He's Tough the to top Qui Gon Jinn. He fair. He's the only one that we see. So the, I, but I, I would like to put an end to the oh Ray can do stuff without any training argument by saying Luke is the only person we see across nine movies, counting Rogue One, who needs training to do Force stuff. Everybody yep. else, Baby seems Yoda. To be able to- <laughs> Baby, baby, yes. yeah, in- including Mandalorian. Baby Yoda can do it. Anakin could do it when he was a kid. Ray could do it. Uh, the kid in the stables at the end of the movie can do the it. The kid in the stables in this movie. Luke can't do shit until Obi-Wan teaches him how to do it. And even then, all he learns how to do is basically, like, be lazy and get beers for himself. Right. And well, then he, he does do yeah. training for three days and then bails. He and then he shows up do... at the beginning of Return of the Jedi with a new suit. And he's like, no, I pretty much got it. He learns to do what everyone in this movie makes fun of when they say the force sarcastically. They say, isn't that what you do to move rocks? Yeah, that's yeah. all he does. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I So if, I if you're operating from that standpoint where Luke is just a terrible Jedi across the board, then yeah, I think it's, I think it's totally worth it. This is maybe his great redemption for that. This is where he learns what it is to actually be a Jedi in a way that I don't think the series has ever said. Because, I would buy that. Yeah. 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 Um. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? I've gone through all my notes. I mentioned all the visuals. I like the um the salt mine or the salt fight too. I like the color that they use there. It probably isn't going to age well, I don't think, but I I like what they were trying to do with the uh, the visuals of the red uh, shooting up and everything like that. I think it looks nice. So my opinion on that, I, I think there's, there's a little too much red, but my opinion on it a lot is of red in this movie. They wanted to do, so they were being reactive, but they also I think that they wanted to repeat the what people loved about Empire Strikes Back. They put it, you know, they put it into their machine and what they came out with was the bad guys win in this one and there is a a long chase and then there is a uh, a, a battle in the snow with the Adats. People love that. But we can't repeat that exactly, so we're going to turn the snow into salt. Mm-hmm. It felt kind of cheap. Like you have the trench warfare against the Adats mirroring Empire Strikes Back on a white background, and then it just becomes red. And maybe this is, you know, backing up your point about what Ryan Johnson is trying to do, and that they're they're literally tearing up the ground of Empire Strikes Back with something new um, and more colorful. But I, I thought it was kind of cheap. I I just don't like the insert shot where the guy's like <laughs> salt. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Why? Who? It's not like it's not like you the 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 last uh, the first order gets down there and they're like uh we can't operate our weapons on this because uh uh the alkaline content Damn the these slug troopers high. we ordered. These slug <laughs> troopers just can't handle the salt. The slug troopers and the clam troopers won't work. <laughs> but the french fry troopers are tasty. Um outside of that We uh, didn't talk about a controversial scene mm-hmm. yet which was the uh Leia non-death oh, scene yes 
The Mary Poppins scene? Yes. Mm. What did everybody think of that? I don't mind it. Uh, uh, I I don't... I'm not a fan. I uh, I don't know. It just... Well, so, uh, do you, what makes you not mind it? Because I'm assuming you don't like it, Dave. I don't. <laughs> I I mean, is, is there something specific I'm supposed to not like about it? I mean, it's... Well, it, no, I'm just... Uh, like, I don't know. What, what's your take on is, it? Is this her first demonstration of force powers? Uh, yes. more or less, yeah. Okay. I also. Uh, she talks. No, well, eh, arguably. Also, so she talks to Luke through space when they're leaving Bespin and Empire Strikes Back, true. and kind of in Return of the Jedi. But you could argue Luke's reaching out to her instead. Also, no training. <laughs> she just well osmosis, I suppose. If you just hang out with Jedi all day, you're gonna pick up. Yeah, a few things. that's the same way Ray learned how to do everything by watching other people do it. You know, well, shut up, everyone. You know what I, I like about more than the the Leia thing. What what it ties into is the uh, the Yoda burns down the tree instead of Luke when he goes up with the lantern and is like holding it, but he doesn't actually do it. it mm. It's another. It I, the fact that it hints really hints at what the movie's going for where. Kylo has her in his sights and he does not fire, but then the two ships on his sides just fire anyway and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's it's that subversion. And I like that idea of him not think, actually being responsible for it. And I, I don't lay up survives. She exposes her force powers and comes back and whatever. See, I think that's also a good example of where I think they are going for cute subversion at the sacrifice of, of story. Because 100%. as soon as you. As soon as you do that, you've now written yourself into a corner where Princess Leia has been sucked out into space and should be dead. So how do you fix that problem by having her do something that is unlike anything that anyone has ever done in a Star Wars movie before and feels very unsatisfying because you are now, you are kind of ignoring the consequences of the thing that you put out there by being like, well, she, she can fly now. Yeah, I um, my problem with it is I think that it is uh, cheap to the point of being disrespectful. That like nine months after Carrie Fisher dies, they they have a scene in which they show her lifeless corpse, and then the violin swells and she become she comes back to life and she ends up not dying. It just felt like watching it in the theater. I I remember thinking like, ew, the magic of movies, Dave. Where every, where everyone, <laughs> what are you doing? Everyone lives forever. It was the CGI corpse, Dave. Is the difference? So it's fine <laughs> yeah, to do right, that. Fine, fine. That's like that's like when Dark Knight came out uh, after Heath Ledger died, and there was one scene in the movie where the Joker is in a body bag for some reason, and mm. everyone was like, "Are they going to cut that out? That's really <laughs> we shouldn't show him in a in a body bag. He's dead in real life, you know." <laughs> But yeah, it's, 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 I think it's that scene. I think that is what is unsatisfying about it is that the more they do that, it's just really, it's like hitting a, uh, one of those paddles with the ball on the string at the end of it. It's like they hit it at you and then they just pull it right back. And after a certain point, you know, your dog is going to stop noticing that you're doing it at all. Yeah. I just, I think we're running into the, the, they released a TV spot or something for the uh, the Rise of the Skywalkers. Like, I just, I don't want to get into the mindset of all this series has to do is have a lightsaber fight and then play Duel of Fates on top of it. That um, was pretty rad, though. It is, it is good. <laughs> I'm an easy mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not denying, I'm not denying the effectiveness of it. Yeah. But it, it's, it's tough. Like, I, I, like... It makes me wonder how much of that ad spot is just them them seeing the reaction to this movie and going like, just give them 
what they want. Like, just chum the waters with this red meat, and say, we'll see what happens. You know, I hate to to say again what I said in the last one, but I think what happens in the next one is probably going to affect my feeling about this one as well. Mm. Where, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to love this movie. I think I, I, I really do like a lot of the things that they try. You know, I don't think it's a character assassination of Luke in the way that a lot of other people do. I think he's probably his arc is probably my favorite thing in the movie, honestly. Um, but yeah, depending on where they go in the next one, if how much of this they backtrack on, or if JJ Abrams and whoever else is writing it can step into the improv scene and take the thing that the guy said no to and be like, all right, we're not going to just say no and go back to what we started. We're actually going to build on it. Yeah. Last uh, last topic before we go to final thoughts, because everyone talks about this, the throne room fight scene in Snoke after Snoke is killed. Th- mm. Thoughts about it? That was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was bored through it. I, I, I didn't like, uh, it felt like, I really didn't like the um, the Imperial Guards, how every single one of them had a different weapon, that, like they were Power Rangers. That does, uh, as soon as I we were watching that together, I was like, this is all stuff Dave hates. And I was like, I'm right there with you. I don't, I didn't love it, but I was like, that's stuff I know that you really don't like. Yeah, and, and just the the visual of the red, I don't know, curtains burning around it, the ultra choreographed fights I, uh, yeah it's 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 not something i go for yeah what, i you know dave I what's your favorite kind of star wars lightsaber fight i don't know if i remember this you've probably mentioned it because we've seen virtually every iteration of what you can do with a lightsaber um the, i think the best ones are and is Empire this a lightsaber fight Return of the jedi is this no, a, we, we had this debate on the discord is this a lightsaber fight it's or, a fight featuring lightsabers. Yeah, so do two lightsabers have fight. to hit each other for it to be a lightsaber fight? <laughs> yes. It's like it's like pornography. I know it when I see it. <laughs> it's executive produced by lightsabers. It's, my, it's not a lightsaber fight. <laughs> I know it when I see it, and I want to see it a lot. <laughs> um, uh, Empire Strikes Back is the best lightsaber duel. Tense. It's filled with dialogue. Uh, it's not super choreographed, but it feels like there are stakes to it. And uh, limbs get chopped off. Yes. I mean, a guy does get a lightsaber through the brain in this one. But yes. True. You know, I think so, a guy gets cut in half, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some pretty inventive ways of killing people with lightsabers. Uh, not to just jump back into this again, but like that's a, a really good instance of where I think they kind of go wrong with some of the characters, too, because every time Ray picks up a lightsaber in this movie, she does it out of anger. And having her... If you're talking about not having her do what people think she's going to do or or not having the characters do what you think they're going to do, she is she's there to try to turn Kylo Ren, but she is only acting in anger mm-hmm. every time she picks up the lightsaber. So I think she should have gone with Kylo Ren. That instantly opens up your world a thousand times into stuff that we've never seen before instead of just locking it back down into... The, the same thing that we've seen over and over again. I think that would have been the most subversive thing they could have done, and they chose not to do it. That's true. You know what the fight really reminded me of in terms of choreography? Have we all watched Game of Thrones? Yes. Remember the... Um, who were the, the three sisters? The ser- snakes? Oh, yeah. Serpents? The snake ladies? Yeah. What are they called? Desert Sand Snakes, right? 
Sand, Sand Snakes. Snakes, which I hear is a great. I never read the books, but I I've heard from people who've read the books that they're amazing characters in the books. In the show, they do uh like ultra choreographed whip fights against people with swords, and it's like really they it looks like they're dancing, and that's the way that the throne room fight felt to me. It looked like a dance scene rather than like a fight where people die. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I I you know the one of the things that I liked so much about the last one is the fight at the end does have that level of uh emotional weight to it and it's between two people who are not particularly good at lightsabering uh either because they've been shot in the the, the thigh 40 times or because it's the first time that they've used them and i think it is weird to take those two characters and then put them in a scene where they are both like episode 1 kind of level fighters yeah. Uh I think it's it's fine. It feels like it's an action beat for the sake of an action beat. Uh I do like that scene in general because there is a ambiguity about what Kylo Ren's intentions are. Um because you think that he is doing it to save Ray, but what he is actually doing is he's actually going further into the dark side by killing his master and becoming uh supreme leader Ren, I guess. Yep. And 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 ultimately the reason that my answer was like a snore is you kill the villain at the beginning of that scene and then you fight the villain's thugs for 20 minutes. There's no stakes to it. I know that the thugs aren't going to win or do anything That's to fair. rare Kylo Ren. That's fair. I just want them to get out of that scene. Yeah. Bye. And at this point, the movie's been going on for an hour and a half and there's still an hour to go. Yeah. We get out of that scene in one of my favorite uh knitting together action things where uh, Kylo Ren gets knocked out and then he wakes up and, she, and he's like, where did she go? And he's like, uh, she, she, she stole Snoke's ship. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was, it was it parked somewhere. Don't there? worry about it. Just go with it. So she knew where that ship was. And then she went to that and she stole it and then met up with Chewbacca, changed ships in space, I guess. And then flew back to the planet. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, you know that's uh, I I do like at the end of that scene where um, Hux goes for the goes motions for the gun as though he's going to kill Kylo Ren like and then he dem- demurs at the end. I yes. thought that was good. I liked yeah. that a lot. Good. Um, the, <laughs> that that's and Hux also gets a lot of uh, force push uh, funny screams in this one, which I kind of enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> he's always he gets batted around pretty good force wise. <laughs> I don't mind the um, the fight sequence. I really enjoyed the visual aspect of the slow motion intro to it more than anything. I think it's yes. really kind of visually yeah. interesting to see them turn in slow motion back to back. And then as the other guys come at them, uh, the fight itself is whatever. I see a lot of nitpicking about people saying like the, the visual effects aren't yeah, work. Is not good? I don't, I don't notice anything about that. I don't care about that stuff. Um, it looks fine. So I guess I'm going to wrap this up with final thoughts. I'll go with mine first and then you guys can go. Uh, I like this one because I do enjoy this movie. I think it's good. I think it's underrated. I think in 10 years, people are going to look at this movie differently. Um, I think that I personally like it because it's somewhat similar to the Star Trek show we're covering, Clay, at this point, where Mm -hmm. this is like the DS9 of Star Wars in a lot of ways, where it's... Oh, you just made a lot of people mad. (laughs) It's taking for like for a bunch of different reasons. <laughs> it's taking it's taking the idea and it's kind of like fiddling around with it 
And I think, but at its core, DS9 is still Star Trek. Like, people who say mm-hmm. that DS9 is too dark or wrong, that it has a core to it. I think this movie plays around with stuff in this universe enough where ignoring story logic, which is kind of wishy-washy, and I'm going to do it to make this final point, um, I think that this movie is still Star Wars, but it's just screwing with the stuff enough where it's tweaked it weirdly, and it's not what you'd expect from it. And I think that it upsets diehard fans because it does the tweaking at all with it. And mm-hmm. But I think it's still he still made it a Star Wars movie. And interestingly, Lucas likes this one more than Force Awakens, which is kind of fascinating to me. I think that's neat. And I can I can understand that actually. And I, I think it's that's got a lot it. of that, that humor he likes from the movies he made. <laughs> <laughs> His idea was the fried porg. But I think that's it. I think it, I think this movie's pretty clever. I think that if you're not uh if you view Star Wars from a distance, I think you can appreciate this movie. And I'm gonna go out and say that this has knocked Rogue One out of my third position, and this is my third favorite Star Wars movie at this point. Damn. Uh I'll wrap up by using the same example about Deep Space Nine, where what I like about Deep Space Nine is that though it appears to be ambiguous and and not so much of a Star Trek show, what it's actually doing is putting pressure on the idea of Roddenberry's Star Trek ethos. And ultimately, it proves that the ethos can withstand the pressure. Uh, it, it doesn't, it's not in the most obvious ways that they do it, but the pushback, the, the response is that this thing, this, this can hold up this, the Starfleet ideals do hold up. It makes a choice. It makes, it comes, it has a decision about where things lie. The thing that bothers me is that this does not make that decision. It just sort of pushes back and just sort of goes, huh? And that's what I find so unsatisfying about it. And I understand what you're saying. I think the pushing around is fine. I think it's it's totally fine. It's just I think it, it it pushes around. It doesn't really make a stance on what it thinks about it. And it's you know getting into like minutia. It's it's too. I think it's too clever for its own good. Dave, in summary, <laughs> this is a bad movie because it has strong female characters and is trying to convince us all to become social justice. No, I saw a black in the movie fairly prominently. <laughs> yeah. I heard, a, I heard they a, cut him out of two, all China posters. Two Chinese in this movie. Ooh. And I say that as an old man who doesn't know the difference between where people are from in Asia. <laughs> you have to get him down to nothing but to tell what's uh, was that Arrested Development Joe? You have to get have yeah. to Lucille's like you have to strip him down halfway naked before you can tell anything. <laughs> um... No, I think that um, I like your take. I think it's scorching hot, but I, I like it. But um, everything interesting you said in defense of the movie is a meta commentary on being a Star Wars movie in 2017. Whereas I don't think anything interesting came out of the movie. Like within the Star Wars universe, I didn't see anything in that movie where I went, huh, that's really cool. That's a great idea for that universe. Um. I, I like your I, I like your take. I, I can I can sit by it and I cannot hate you for it. Um <laughs> but um I think ultimately it was a dumb movie and I would put it uh second to last if we're counting solo. Damn, including prequels? Including prequels, yeah. I think it's well so m- my take on the prequels has evolved and I know we're running long on time right now, but I think that the prequels will be Forever considered as canon. Yeah. 
what happened in the prequels, the way that the plot moves and the characters are going to be canon forever. I don't think these movies will be considered canon for Star Wars. So the three new ones? I wouldn't be shocked within our lifetime if episodes 7, 8, and 9 are remade again. Interesting. Um, I just don't think that they're going to last that way. I Mm -hmm. think that they're reboots and not sequels. Um, That's the way they feel to be a star the most important well, star wars fan yeah not not to to open this conversation up but i think what will determine that is whether or not the things presented in this movie continue into other stories right and i think that's part of my issue as well where it doesn't open anything up for like new stuff and new ideas so much um and so if you if after this last one if they make a new trilogy that's just like the new mainline Star Wars trilogy and they never bring up Kylo Ren, I wouldn't be surprised either. Or if they never bring up Supreme Leader Snoke, I wouldn't be surprised. Are people going to really are people really itching for a backstory on Supreme Leader Snoke? We're going to no. get three movies about how Supreme Leader Snoke's face got messed up. Yeah. How he tried to kill Harry Potter and then the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't this man so, cut his fingernails? What's the deal? So with yeah, that? I, I don't, I don't know. I think it remains again not to not to be uh, non-committal, but I think again the next one is going to uh, really impact how this one and the first one are are received. Right. I, do you know? I, I I would be really interested to know if people who love the first one hate this one. And if people who hated the first one love this one, or if there are people who love both or people who hate both. I mean, obviously, I know there are people who, I guess I know those people exist. Yeah, I I guess I know those people exist because there are people who just love everything and then people who hate everything is just Dave. So, (laughs) uh, Per Twitter, it seemed like all four of those quadrants were represented. Yeah. And, uh, you know, is that is that bad? Yeah, no. Yeah, you know, it's is it is the discourse around this movie so much more heated just because of the time that we live in? Probably, you know, where where it was. It's not like oh, watching Clerks was the first time I heard anybody talk about Star Wars the way I personally talk about Star Wars and have like a hot take about whether or not they use the bathroom on Star on the Star Destroyer or whatever. Yeah. Speaking of hot takes about that, does anybody else wish that Finn had been like an engineer or something? He knows a lot about a lot of stuff for a guy who just was the janitor. Yeah. Like, that that was a throwaway joke line, and I feel like it has worked against his character ever since. Because that, well, they, apparently they have the plans for Snoke's ship on their hard drive for some reason. But, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting away from the point. We could talk, <laughs> I could argue about this all day or just blab about this. Um, what was I talking about? Lasting things? Oh, the arguments, yes. Uh, yeah, I think it's it'll be interesting to see especially after the next one how the argument evolves if you know because everything everything that people love ends up getting hated on it's now hip to hate the christopher nolan batman movies i don't know why you just can't like him why do you have to burn everything down it's now hip again to love the prequels yeah yeah which is uh, weird dave's to me. coming well, around to it a lot of <laughs> it's like he's well, a real... you know hey i mean we weren't just being uh for the sake of being contrary we all said that phantom menace was the best of the prequels and i stand by that yeah i, I did too but, i think you know, i stand it, by the fact they're all garbage movies at this point yes yeah, i agree sure, yes. yes i don't i don't deny that um but yeah i'm 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 interested to see how this is going to evolve if like 
will the arguments about Rise of Skywalker contain uh, arguments or backing arguments based on Last Jedi or, or, or you know, vice versa? I, I think it'll be interesting. All right. Let's call it a day there. It's an hour and a half. Thank you guys very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the Star Wars content. We talked about The Last Jedi and catch up on all the other Star Wars movies that we talked about. There'll be a link down below. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, all the good stuff. The Star Trek podcast continues. Badass continues. All that stuff. Let us know where you fall on the quadrant of Star Wars fan. If you like Force Awakens and you hate The Last Jedi, why you hate Last Jedi, why you don't hate Last Jedi, you can put all the comments down below. Dave and Clay, thanks for coming on. I thought that was a good discussion. Ah, I think yeah, so, too. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. I actually... um. I I I was I almost suggested that we do this one last because after we do this one I'm way less uh enthused about doing solo. There's <laughs> <laughs> like nothing to say about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, it exists, it's fine. We'll see. We're going to be back with Solo in a couple of weeks, hopefully before Rise of Skywalker, but I can't make any promises. We'll see. But anyway, thank see you guys you in for two listening. years. Yeah, that's right. See you. In two- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening guys. We'll see you later.